93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable. So glad you have tuned in this weekend. Uh, I am pleased to welcome back to the Eagle Studios, the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. Uh, that's Mike Murphy. Mike, thanks for joining me two weeks in a row. I appreciate hey, good it. Good morning. You and I have a lot of things to talk about, and and uh, we, we covered uh, some pretty good topics this past weekend. But but I want to jump in, and, and uh, I, I want to just sort of start off the show, and we'll get into some miscellaneous items. But, you know, you've had uh, a few years under your belt of, of covering uh, local government and, and some public entities. And and I think that one of the the big buzzwords in politics these days are you know transparency and accountability and so forth and and I think there have been some issues with transparency uh, in several local governmental entities and and I want to kind of talk to you about that you know I, I've worked in the journalism business uh, for many years I, I don't consider myself a journalist but I, I primarily have been on the business side of, of media and I do some writing but uh, it's limited to one column a month but uh, you're writing all the time and and you are relying on sources within city government i get to just express my opinion which you also get to express your opinion but many times you are reporting and you are relying on public officials to shoot straight with you and to give you the straight skinny on what's happening in our local governments so i have just selected five local governmental entities and, and i kind of want to talk about each one of them from from your vantage point uh in terms of you know what is the the level of transparency the in your opinion the level of effectiveness uh the level of accountability and then how much dysfunction is there within these organizations and and i would say you know that's that's kind of a, a an odd metric to use but the truth of the matter is you know uh, there is a lot of dysfunction in in local government and in national government that's a federal government so and certainly in state government but but that all affects the way that these folks do their jobs and, and the way the constituents are served but but i've selected the columbia city council the boone county commission the columbia board of education the boone hospital trustees and then the university of missouri and, and as you've mentioned uh you don't do a lot with the university of missouri but i i think that um you know, I have mentioned here on this program, I appreciate the fact that Moon Choi, the president of the university system and the chancellor of the of um, uh, of uh, the Mizzou campus will come on radio programs uh, unscripted and allow you to ask any question you want to. Yeah. Which is my experience with university leaders in the past is that's not the way it works. Yeah. Certainly not the way it has worked. And so, well, he's incredible. I heard him on your show the other day and I've interviewed him a couple of times. He is, uh, he, the sense of confidence that he has in what he's talking about and his uh, ability to just feel like he can tell you what's on his mind is quite extraordinary. Yeah. You, you do not run into that very much. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of control over the faculty or some of the uh, outside entities, which, you know, nobody in, a, in an organization that size would, but, you know, uh, but when, when you're dealing with Moon Choi, it's my impression is that you, uh, you, you get it at face value. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, bad, ugly. And, uh, but l- let's talk a little bit about transparency and, and kind of compare when you, when you look at the, the Columbia City Council versus the Boone County Commission versus the Board of Education, uh, and the hospital trustees, what, 
in terms of transparency, how would you rate those organizations? Well, I'd rate them all pretty bad. Uh, one of the big disappointments that I observe over the years is, well, first of all, the city of Columbia has transparency written right into their mission statement. So does the Board of Education. Yeah, that is that is true. And uh, and when people run for office, they always talk about transparency. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they get in there, it just changes. Yeah. And once you become an insider, I think human nature uh, 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 you, it becomes that you forget sometimes who you serve and and what you should be how you should be uh acting now that said I, we should get out there is, is sometimes mem- sometimes members of the media and i'll include myself there too uh can't always be just fully trusted or there's information that you hate to see them get because they'll mishandle it or or, or they'll lose context or or they're looking for trouble where there isn't any and there, there is a natural uh, adversarialness that 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 comes up there but uh, and the, there's always the danger of burning a bridge, too. I mean, the deal is is that you have a trusted, uh, reliable source uh, in city government or county government that, you know, every so often may slip up and you have to sort of take them to task. Oh, you, yeah. You run yeah. the risk of damaging that relationship. Yeah. And, and uh, all of a sudden, they're not not a great source for you. Anymore. Yeah. You have to use different sources. I My approach is basically with the electeds and even with some staff is I'm going to be as ruthlessly truthful as I can. Uh, and um, You don't win any uh, popularity no, contest no, no, for no, that. No, you don't. But at the end of the day, first of all, what separates me from so many of the youngsters I see out there is um, I don't I don't care. Uh, I would I would much rather. Uh, yeah. I, I, nobody's got enough friends, but I had to right. say I have enough friends. <laughs> you you uh, uh, I With really friends like that who needs enemies, right? I'm yeah. very very much more concerned about being respected than I am being yeah. friends. So yeah. I try to be very very cordial. I, the people who do help me, but what I've learned over the years is this: at this point. Uh, most people aren't going to help you if you get if they, you got to check their motivation and people got to extra grind they're going to help you they're going to give you some information but most people at the elected level and even staff level uh, they don't help you because they want to or they like you they're going to help you because they respect you or they fear you mm-hmm. so I just don't really worry about you know I get past the I like most of them personally. Uh, and sometimes they don't like me because of, you know, stuff that I, I, I just choose to do. But I think, I think most of them also recognize that and even appreciate it. I had, uh, I think it, I, it was Pat Fowler who I, you know, we were so far apart on the way we think about things. And, but I respected the job she did. And she told me once that, you know, I make people really, really, really mad, but at the end of the day, it, it's a good thing for city government that I'm doing it, and they kind of really do like it anyway. They don't like it when they're on the mm. spot, but they like the fact that somebody's doing it. Yeah, and I kind of know that, and I, I, th- I think that way. Yeah. But to your to your point here, uh, transparency is terrible in all of them. The biggest problem that so let's let's talk about. I'll give you an example. Take uh, Race Matters Friends, mm-hmm. an activist group. Uh, you know, you and I would say we're we're not going to agree on a lot of approach to things that they 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 think. You mm-hmm. know, uh, politically we'd be really different. We'd like to see some different types of outcomes on different sorts of things. We wouldn't agree to do things a certain way, but one of the reasons we respect each other in in the fact that we're pursuing certain things, and what we both see is a total lack of uh, any kind of commitment or enthusiasm at all from City Hall to be transparent and to communicate to the public and to tell the public what's going on. They're terrible at it, mm-hmm. and they really don't even make an effort at it. And uh, we both 
call them out and 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 I respect them for that's a big part of what they're talking about all the time mm-hmm. is if if they were sharing if they were making any effort at all not to mention professional engagement they do they do silly surveys and have these reach out programs but they don't have any kind of professional data management they they don't have anything they should they got a staff of 1500 but they're terrible at it yeah. so when you when you're a reporter you just got to you know the trick is to learn where the information is, uh, how to ask for it, how to make sunshine requests, how to, uh, and then really for me, it's to go to all of the meetings that happen in the commissions and uh, the the boards that are underneath city council where citizens are talking and reviewing stuff and you sit in with them and you learn what's going on. And then if you have knowledge, you can go get the information you need. If you don't have the knowledge, you, you're, you're not going to get anything. Yeah. And, it, you know, you have developed a relationship over the years with Jim Windsor and, and John Conway, who both have been on the inside uh, of these commissions and, and city government. And, and you know, they... Uh, Kudos to them. I mean, they've been willing to be very critical of the way that things are being yeah. run right now. And, and, uh, they've educated me. They, and Sarah Walsh, yeah. they've taken time, uh, Sarah Reed, I'm sorry, yeah. they've taken time to, uh, a lot of time to educate me and help me understand, uh, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, and I'm talking maybe 20 years ago, it was very common for the Tribune or the Missourian or the Missouri Press Association to sue local government entities for sunshine law violations. I don't think I've seen a lawsuit locally on the sunshine law violation in a long time uh, does that mean it's not happening anymore no it's getting that's that's the bad, sad thing about the disappearance of newspapers so you know i published newspapers for 30 years and we were always a member of a press association and the press association always had an uh, open records uh, expert attorney on retainer and if you were into i've I, i've done it you know probably a dozen times over the course of my career where you couldn't come to terms with uh the entity that you were seeking the documents from, you would go, you would take them down to court and file the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. The fact that you were willing to do that and they knew you would do that actually prevented it from happening to happen over and over. And I think we, you and I have talked about before, if, if Hank Waters was still down at the Tribune, sending people to all these meetings, we would, we wouldn't have to request the, the, the records. They wouldn't have the courage not to put them out there because if they did try to hide them, he'd just, Go down in the, the Missouri Press Association and and and, and have their attorney uh, Jean Meineke, mm-hmm. uh, expert at this kind of stuff. She'd be down in court the next afternoon, filing her brief, and it, it just really didn't even have to happen. And unfortunately, we talked for years about one of the realities of the demise of newspapers and the and the watchdog they affect uh, had on uh, uh, mischief in local government is really going to be missed and we're seeing that there's absolutely no question no doubt in my mind that the result of that we're seeing that today yeah we've lost uh, really some very important watchdogs in our community and, and i know that people made fun of them and they abused oh, yeah. them and but you know you talk about henry lane uh paul albert uh the role that mike martin played with columbia heartbeat mm-hmm. you know i think that a lot of people considered them to be nuisances but boy they were really Fulfilling a very important public need yeah. in our community, and now nobody's watching. And I think that our elected officials and our and our um, unelected officials are very wise to that. So, no, absolutely, you know, how many minutes do we have left in this segment? Do you have that on your your clock there? Uh, I I'm not paying as close we're attention. A, we're almost at twelve minutes in. Okay, very good. So, um, I one of the things that um, uh, so l- let's look at. Uh, 
Let's jump right to dysfunction, which is kind of my favorite topic. Uh, uh, when you look at the Columbia City Council, the Boone County Commission, the Board of Education, the Boone Hospital Trustees, where are you seeing dysfunction? Well, I don't. I see it mostly. I, I've used the word uh, several times to describe Columbia City Council. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of a when you have a, 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 a form of government, people don't understand this at all. That uh, it is a strong city manager weak city council form of government. Mm-hmm. The city manager is the CEO of the operation and has enormous authority for an unelected official to run and responsibility to run that operation. Uh, the mayor has no real responsibilities other than this other and it, than any other council member who's elected from the ward. She runs the meetings. She has a little bit of leadership opportunity. She has the bully pulpit, but she is not an administrator. She's not there Figure to be running. For the yeah, most part. Absolutely. Yeah. But that gets all distorted, and then when you have a city manager who's not particularly as competent as you'd like or is getting the job done as you would like, or you have problems boiling all over for lack of this of, of a certain performance, then council members get involved where they really shouldn't be involved. And the mayor's in doing things where she doesn't belong and that leads to so filling that void of leadership leads to this this messiness and 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 they feel obligated to do it and under a different form of government it would even you know in elsewhere throughout missouri many many municipalities uh the mayor the mayor retains a certain amount of administrative authority uh, and they can have a city administrator. That administrator reports to the mayor and the council. But here, it's not like that. We have, I think, some time back. What happened is you look at this massive operation that is that is the city of Columbia, with uh, you know all of our electric utilities, and, and it's really a huge business. The decision got made. We need a really strong CEO to run this, and then he will fill positions below him with really strong management leaders, and they'll run the city. And the city council will be off on the side, setting policy and overseeing them and holding them accountable for doing their job. It just didn't work out the way yeah. it's supposed to. And you're not speaking hypothetically when you talk about the mayor getting involved in things she shouldn't be involved in or the no. city council. But you're speaking real-life scenario. This, this is happening right here in Columbia, Missouri. Absolutely. And so you see a degree, just by the nature, I think, you you see less dysfunction in the county commission. You see less dysfunction in the Boone Hospital Board of Trees. Maybe there's not enough dysfunction there. But you know, but I think that we we start to see... Uh, I, and I hope that it's improved, but you, you look at the Columbia Board of Education and, and, uh, look, our school board, there have been some people that have just really embarrassed our school district and embarrassed our community, uh, because they get in there like city council people and they have these agendas and they're just going to, uh, take advantage of their position to push in a certain agenda. And, and yeah. I, I tell you, the community really pays the price, you uh, know? I, I feel like it's improving at the school district. I, I hope it is. I think they they got to get back to you know really the school district and the c- city council should function almost identically. You don't think of it that way. You think of it with the school district more typically they got they got uh, a strong superintendent theoretically and all those administrators in the Aslan building. That's who runs the school. Mm-hmm. Runs the school district and then that board oversees them in, in the traditional manner of a school board. Yeah. That's exactly the way the city of Columbia is set up. But because of politics, because of all the people, you know, the, all the activists, all the controversy uh, I think the nature of the council seats becoming, you know, I don't think we have the uh, strongest type people that our community might have to offer in those positions. And uh, it just leads to this sort of like this little chaos that mm-hmm. uh, 
I don't want to overstate it, but boy, if you just want to look down of all the things and the problems that are going on in the city of Columbia, it's it's pretty profound. Yeah. And That's the voice of Mike Murphy, the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. When we come back from this break, we'll continue our conversation about our local governmental entities. All of that and more are coming up on the CEO Roundtable. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. What is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting again with Mike Murphy, the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. Check it out, folks. You can subscribe to it if you want to support local journalism. This is where you ought to put your dollars. It is a worthwhile endeavor and uh, a good read. I rely on it to keep me informed of what's happening in our local governments, and and, uh, Mike uh, does a great job with that. Uh, We are talking about the uh, public entities and uh, the uh, the local transparency, effectiveness, accountability, dysfunction of, of our major public entities, which includes uh, the Columbia City Council, the Boone County Commission, the Board of Education, the Boone Hospital Trustees, and, and the University of Missouri. And we're sort of giving the University of Missouri a pass uh, because uh, we think that for the most part, well, one, it's an impossible job, I think, yeah. uh, to herd th- that many yeah. cats. But also, uh, we, we think that, uh, Moon Choi gets high marks for, for accountability and, and, uh, transparency. And so we're focusing on these other four entities. And, and, uh, so when you look at the effectiveness, how good are these folks at getting their jobs done and taking good care of their constituents and who in that that group of four mike stands out the most to you well i think the boone county commission is doing a pretty good job qualify that but compared to the city of columbia i I would think they are they have a different set of problems but they they operate a lot a lot smoother Um, you know i would agree with that as a former county commissioner you know i think that that should be fraught with challenges because you have 15 elected officials who don't report to anybody yeah and there's no hierarchy there's no structure and the presiding commissioner has a little bit more power financially sometimes Mm -hmm. Uh, but when you think about the fact that there are 15 elected officials in boone county and really and i gotta tell you from an insider's perspective county government runs pretty effectively yeah pretty efficiently and so i hope they keep it going yeah they got, a lot, they got a lot of new people but i i find them and they've been helpful uh i've you know that's how i got started on the hospital you know in the beginning when i first got into this i went up to the county when i first went to the county building i got their budget and i went through and i noticed this note from june pitchford about the two million bucks not coming over from the hospital mm-hmm. and uh, i went and asked dan atwell and i'd only met him you know a couple weeks later and he just kind of like kept on walking <laughs> now him and i no comment be, him and i came to be friends but in the beginning it was like so i'm like okay nobody would talk to me and of course when you start out as a reporter nobody will talk to you, you yeah they, they just want they don't trust you they don't know you and, and and they're not used to anybody doing what i do so uh i i in the end after i gathered up some documents i had the idea of uh i made a sunshine request for any emails that were exchanged between uh doc uh, anybody from uh Boone Health. I think I might have narrowed it down to Dr. Kennett and Dan Atwell. Hmm. And I figured that there probably wouldn't be much there because typically they run those things through attorneys because then an attorney has privilege and you oh, yeah. get to see him. But they didn't. So uh, I ended up with this trove of emails that basically laid out the whole uh, situation of, of how uh, what went on there and how they were breaking all of the drama that was going on. And that was my first story then about uh, the trustees not going to pay uh, pay pay that lease back to the county anymore, and they were going to break out on their own. And they thought they had the legal 
that they could interpret the statutes that they could go off on their own and they didn't really need the county and yeah and uh the county couldn't do much about it and the county was really uh angry about it and they wrote it you know they put it on paper and said they don't agree and i i got my hands on all that and wrote it all up and i was going to kind of stick with it and i thought to myself you know boone, boone health needs to be covered but I got pulled over into easy or low-hanging fruit and oh, just yeah. let it go. Well, then as the time went by here this year, and, you know, they actually, then when they broke off from BJC, nobody really covered it much other than the press releases they would set out. And mm-hmm. then we knew there's financial trouble brewing. And I started, it, it occurred to me, in like hospitals close in Mexico and Mo, in, uh, Fulton, Fulton and yeah. you, well, you wake up one day, nobody saw, sees that coming, yeah. the general populace anyway. And I thought, and I started telling people too, it's like, what would if something happened to Boone Health, Boone Hospital? One of the greatest journalistic uh, failures in this city of journalists all over, supposedly, would be the fact that that would happen with not one story written about it in advance of it mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. It really kind of started bugging me, so I said I got to get there, and then people were prodding me to get there. So, uh, you know, I went to a trustees meeting, and I uh, and I've met with I'd already met with Dr. Kennedy, of course. I met with Diane Lynch, who's one of the appointed trustees she's a journalist so they bring her in to deal with me and uh <laughs> i suggested that they just share with me some financial information so i could write stories and mm-hmm. i would you know tell people what's going on and then to make a very long story much shorter they just decided that no so i filed sunshine requests and they informed me that they they are uh, exempt from the sunshine rule so we argued about that for a few months and it became clear that they weren't going to help me and i tried to persuade them that i wasn't going to go away and you could deal with me the easy way the hard way the easy way give me a little bit of information keep mm-hmm. me happy i think the people of boone county should know what's going on with their hospital financially yeah i couldn't find agreement so it became we'll do it the hard way then so i you know i there's other ways to get that information yeah and as you know it culminated with a story here a couple of weeks ago that two stories yeah and i know they hated it but i actually told them i was going to do it and i hated to be threatening about it but i was going to do the financial story no matter what mm-hmm. and that's the fact that they They've lost, uh, I think it's about $150 million over the last three years. They're telling people that they've turned the corner and uh, they got about $80 million in cash left. I documented all that. They didn't disagree and they agreed to talk with me when I told them I was going to run this story. And you ended up getting a lot of your financial information from the bonding agencies. Is yeah. that correct? The yeah. reports that had to be filed yeah. for anybody who sells public bonds. Yeah. So you don't have to be a much yeah. of an investigative reporter to know that there's disclosures that you got to send to lenders. Yeah. You just got to go find them. And it took me a while to round them all up. And uh, so, yeah, I, I put it together from there. And then they're telling people that, you know, uh, they're turning a corner, but then they admit to me that, well, it's not turning as well as they'd hoped in the first and second quarter of 2023 here. And they won't offer any, you know, evidence to support their, their claims. Well, let me play devil's advocate for a second and just sort of, and you know, I have a, uh, an inherent conflict of interest. I have Mm -hmm. a a loyalty to Boone hospital just because of my 14 years there. And I, and I, I see how well run of an organization it is, but you know, the, 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 the bottom line is this, um, Boone Hospital is a business and you, as a, as a business, you want to sort of protect as much of your financial interest, especially if it's not going to be maybe reported 
in the context in which it should be reported in. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we all live in Columbia, Missouri, where we have been dealing with student journalists yeah. as uh, our primary contact. for, And these days, they are the primary contact, as you know, for, for most of the reporting that goes on, whether it's a Channel 8 reporter or a KBIA reporter or a Columbia, Missourian reporter. And they just simply don't have the understanding of economics and, and mm-hmm. finance. And um, But Boone Hospital, as a, as a business, um, you know, there are some things that maybe they really don't want the public to know about about certain components of their business. So do they get any kind of a pass from you as a journalist on that? And and I guess the other question I have for you is all about context. When you when you look at the the major hospital systems in America right now, you know, they're losing billions and billions of dollars right mm-hmm. now. And most of it's tied to labor costs because of, because of the nursing shortage in our country. And, and, you know, we've been forced to hire these agency nurses that cost three times what a normal nurse costs. And, and, uh, it's unanticipated costs. But, but, you know, a lot of our financial troubles are tied to things that were related to COVID. I say are, but, you know, hospitals uh, in general. So do do they get any kind of a pass as, as what would be for, for competitive business reasons in, in your mind? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it, I've had this conversation with them. It's it's quite hilarious to me that, uh, and, and this is a, a, a work in progress. So our conversation is, so I'm agitating now. I don't believe that they maintain the protection from the Sunshine Act for the least part of the hospital that they had when that lease was, you know, part of a private entity like BJC and all right. the ones prior to that. Mm-hmm. I think once it came back under the trustees only, the trustees are a quasi public, uh, entity that are definitely no dispute. Nobody's questioned that they are subject to sunshine laws. So now, I can, are you talking all, about Chaz or are you talking no, about the I'm trustees? Talking about trustees? The trustees. Okay. Which, but there's nothing there. I mean, yeah. that's, but where all the info is, is with Chaz, which is the, uh, the uh, entity that runs the hospital, that's what they keep private. Uh, I don't think they have the right to do that anymore, but the only way that's going to get to settled is in court, and nobody's going to take them to court over that because it's going to cost a fortune because they're going to protect that to their dying breath because that's where all the good information is. Mm-hmm. But what uh, the answer to your question is, is yes, I think they can't trust a journalist to not report on or to look away from things. That's that's my conversation with Diane Lynch. She knows darn well that if, if Chaz was opened up to me, uh, it would be it would be like a gift. It would be a, a never ending gift. I think of information that they would not like to see out there. Mm-hmm. So my sort of proposal, and this is not exactly straight journalism the way it's often done, and we discuss this also. Why not keep me happy? Let me give me access to the financial records. Give me access to whatever you want to give me access to. Let me write some stories, and not just so much for me to write stories, but the people of Boone County own this place. They deserve to know what's going on here. That'll keep me happy and it won't keep me agitating and contacting the attorney general and seeing if I can get somebody pro bono to come in here and blow this whole thing open, which you don't want to happen. Yeah. That conversation's still going on. Do you think that we should know as much about University of Missouri healthcare as we do Boone Hospital? I mean, are, is, yeah, there, is there a not? comparison? Okay. Yeah, so, why not? So you think because they're both public institutions yeah. that we should, there should be full transparency. And, and, and Boone will argue, oh, geez, we can never let this out. Well, University of Missouri has to operate under those, under the Sunshine Law. So Boone should too. Now, in, to give Boone a little bit of, uh, a mercy here mm-hmm. is MU has always had to operate under it. Uh, this this lands on uh, so they would operate in a certain way, knowing that everything they do is possibly at some point exposed to public view. Boone didn't have to worry about that for the last thirty five years, and now all of a sudden, perhaps they do. 
So they would have reason to, I'm sure, be somewhat worried about that. However, I would say those trustees are elected by us. They're operating on behalf of us. And I don't really think there should be a whole lot of stuff that they're too embarrassed or unwilling to let out to the public. Now, if it has to do with some competitive stuff, okay, I get that. Fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for that kind of trouble anyway. Yeah. In fact, I, and I'll just repeat, I have no reason to have any qualms at all with even how they're running the hospital. I know nothing like that. Um, they, they might be, and I actually suspect are doing a fantastic job. I'm totally impressed with this, uh, uh, Gene Meyer, the uh, interim CEO they got in there. My whole point is, is how can you run, be elected, and accountable to the citizens of Boone County, how can you be running this hospital and absolutely not give the public any information at all about your financial status? And then when you get called out by somebody like me that, hey, you're saying you're turning a corner, but I got reason to think otherwise, and you won't offer up any evidence? It, it only is the fact that my voice is so small and squeaky right now. Mm. You know, can you imagine this in, in the Tribune ten years ago? Or yeah, five? wouldn't have I happened. Mean, and Mike, you know, I guess that in some ways I'm sort of uh, betraying my 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 former colleagues on the Boone Hospital Board of Trustees by even having you on this program and allowing you to talk about Boone Hospital. But you know, it, it's something that I I think is a good reminder to all of us about the role that media should be playing in our community in terms of the way that we cover important topics. Well, you see what I'm doing. I, I, I don't miss out on the opportunity to be a, a pain. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I call to mind, I call to attention whenever I can. This, I, I'm stirring the pot is what it amounts to. And mm-hmm. It's like we talked about a little bit be, before is, uh, you know, reporters don't get, what they need or what they want, which is, I want to know what's going on out there because they're nice. I tried that with Boone, right? Mm-hmm. I, I met with them and, and tried that and it wasn't working. So now I'm, I'm sort of raising heck with them. And you know, I did that story on, should the county give them $6 million in, uh, seven, $7 million yeah. in yeah. ARPA funds without, yeah. without asking for, uh, without asking for updated financials. Yeah. I'm, I'm suggesting that that would be that would be they would be avoiding their fiduciary duties to do that, mm-hmm. and that's kind of stirring the pot yeah. too. And, and, yeah. Do you think uh, just yes or no is is Boone Hospital still a good place to get patient care? Oh, I would think so. Yeah. And do you think Boone Hospital is being well run? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah. but it's just it's really your issue with Boone Hospital. It's just uh, the level of transparency in the way that they share numbers. Ho- it's county's hospital. Yeah. It's a people's hospital. Tell us what's going on. Yeah. Very good. Um, well, I, I appreciate that because I, I think that, that we've got to find the fine balance between, uh, you know, keeping uh, a, an entity's affairs um, confidential to the point where they can run competitively, but also transparent enough that uh, the the main stakeholders, the owners of the hospital, uh, can pay attention. You got to ask yourself why won't they tell us? Why won't they tell yeah. us those financials? Yeah, fair enough. That's the voice of Mike Murphy. He is the publisher of ComoBuzz.com, and we've been talking about public entities, and um, we're going to shift gears in the third segment here and talk a little bit about some of the things that are coming up, including the Opportunity Campus that will be the new homeless shelter in Columbia, thanks to $18 million of uh, public money. And uh, we'll get a quick update uh, on uh, from Mike about the city's utility problems and their struggles with recycling and trash collection. All of that and more coming up on the third and final segment of this week's CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry with Mike Murphy. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. 
and welcome to the third and final segment of the CEO Roundtable program. So glad that uh, you have joined us today. We've been visiting with Mike Murphy, second week in a row, talking about some important community issues. Talked a lot about Boone Hospital in the last segment. Um, I want to just get an update from you because there hasn't been much in the media. And, and a lot of this sort of dovetails into the transparency issue. Um, and really, you were very critical, and rightly so, early on of the amount of secrecy that was surrounding the plans um, to build what they call uh, Voluntary Action Center's Opportunity Campus on Business Loop 70 next to the old power plant in front of the bowling mansion. Um, and, you know, I, I think I've talked to a few business owners in that area, and they they are dreading this. They, they really, they, if you drive around, you've seen that there has been some recently erected chain link fence with razor wire on top to keep people off of their property. And uh, I, I think that we're expecting a lot of problems. I think one of the things that we know about the homeless population is that they believe in squatters' rights, and uh, they will take over an area of private land or public land and uh, just occupy it. And, you know, the, the photos that you see on social media where there are 40 or 50 red Target shopping carts, you know, on on a piece of property behind the Home Depot. You know, that's a long ways away from Target. And uh, you you see these photos and you're you're like going, what is going on in this community? And, and you know, I want to have a heart. I want to be passionate. I want to be compassionate. Um, but also express my dissatisfaction with the growing homeless problem in our community. A problem that we have thrown millions and millions and millions of dollars at every single year. And it's had the opposite effect. You know, our homeless population has only grown. And it's to the point now where it is becoming a major nuisance. Look, I want to be compassionate. Uh, but I think that we have got to have a fine line between um, the services that we provide for homeless people. And are we really helping them or are we hurting them by just throwing money at them? So uh, give us an update on the Opportunity Campus that's being built on Business Loop 70. Well, it's at least... Two years out, they're raising money for it. Um, you're right. They, I was, uh, I had to dig that story out. Uh, they weren't real forthright about what was going on, and uh, I guess you can kind of understand why, in a way. Well, tell me why. I, I don't understand because, you know, you have a uh, an organization that is well supported with public dollars and certainly private dollars in this community. Uh, why would they not want to be transparent about what their plans? Uh, it was the worst kept secret in Columbia. The more uh, p- people that know about it and know the facts about it, the more the opposition is that they have to deal with. And well, yeah, I know. You but, know, but their mission is to get it built, and their and their and their supporters' mission is to get it built, and uh, they got that done. It is going to get built. Well, there's only one possible way that it wouldn't get built now, and is that that's they can't raise the money. They said they need uh, 18 million dollars. I'm sure that number is growing as we speak. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, they've got twelve million uh, coming in from government from ARPA funds, six from the state and three from each of uh, the county and the city. I think they said they had uh, uh, four million. They had two million in cash, and they had about a four million dollar gap to raise. I I I I think that's a big ask, but I think it's a doable ask in this town. I assumed all along that they would get it done and I think they are thinking they're getting it in. and I had to talk to uh, Ed Stansbury the executive director the other day there was some questions uh, 
about, uh, oh, they lost a little bit of funding when uh, there's that conflict of interest that... Uh, HUD that, decided they weren't going to yeah, fund it because of the, of the conflict of interest. 150 grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peanuts. Yeah, really. So, uh, you know, if they would have lost 150 grand from a donor, it'd be a big deal, I think. But in the scheme of things, it's not going to slow things down. Uh, an interesting part about that, about when people don't, try to be when people what i find this all the time and i'm finding it with boone hospital actually is when people don't disclose or they try to you know hide things if they would have been forthcoming with me on what was going out there when i started asking questions and they actually kept me out of a couple meetings too one meeting when they all met they would not let me in the door Hmm. um so i was being very aggressive and i knew there was a good story there and the story that i broke was a big story at the time it happened and it also revealed that you know betsy peters had bought the land and then turned around and flipped it right away to Betsy that. Peters, city council person. Correct. And, you know, I don't think there's anything really got revealed wrong there, except HUD doesn't like it. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, it, it looks bad. And it looks like Betsy's intentions were, were good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But here's what's funny. I think to this day, if I had not had to go digging for that story, I probably never would have learned this LLC that would have recognized it as nothing and found out that it was owned by Betsy Peters. I have a feeling that none of that would have ever even entered the public domain, mm. and none of this would ever have been known and talked about. Interesting. Yeah, but but they sent me on the on the wild goose chase, and, yeah. you know, and that just happened to be something that turned up. Yeah. So I think they're progressing. I think they're going to happen. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a place where it congregates or sort of groups the many, many, many homeless that we have. I think you'll see a lot of loitering. I'm worried about, I think everybody's worried about uh, traffic out there and the speed of it and the lack of uh, crosswalks, the lack of sidewalks. Uh, just the basic lack of planning and foresight that may be being shown by both city and VAC. Let's hope, let's hope we're wrong. Uh, but, uh, I don't think anybody really likes the feel of, so it's not the easiest thing to have a comprehensive homeless policy in your city, but this city needs one bad. Yeah. And, uh, and, and as we speak, we don't have one. Yeah. I, and I, I think people may roll their eyes when they hear me say this, but you know, I, I sort of feel like we, we, we're not far behind Seattle or San Francisco because, uh, look, th- these problems just sort of mushroom. You know what I mean? And you get a, a little bit of uh, momentum going and these things get out of control very quick. And, you know, we, we have seen, you know, the, the impact of squatters rights where they, uh, you know, a group of homeless people moved into Greg Copeland's law offices in broad daylight at the corner of Ninth and Broadway while he was out of town and squatted in his law offices and destroyed the interior of his law offices with defecation and drugs and needles. And, and this all is happening under the nose of downtown business people. Um, and you know, you, you just, you, it, we look like a community that cannot take care of its own. And the truth of the matter is we pump millions of dollars of public money into helping the homeless in this community. What I have not seen is what is the plan to address the two primary issues that cause homelessness, substance abuse and mental health. And I don't see that spelled out in their game plan. No, hopefully something that comes out of cities ARPA is supposed to address that. We'll see. I do know that what once wasn't even a serious discussion now is a very serious discussion about a sanctioned uh, camp where we group them someplace yeah. because it's it, and then we can manage it. The question is who manages it and how and whose neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but something uh, has to happen because now we're just chasing them around. 
uh, to camp after camp. We, we, we relocate them is basically all that we do. Clean them up, clean it up, relocate it, and then clean it up again. Yeah. Relocate them and clean it up again. And in the meantime, disperse them all around town. So it's, it's, now, it's a it, mess. At the same time, the city is holding public hearings on what to do with the Ashley Street Center. And people may not know what I'm talking about when I say the Ashley Street Center, but this is VFW, the, the building formerly known as PF, VFW Post 280. Um, and, you know, the city has already spent uh, in excess of, of a million dollars uh, to clean up that property and use it as room at the end. Well, what um, what does the city plan to do with that building? And, and just in sort of what you've heard uh, so far about their plans for the Ashley Street Center. Well, for the next until the VAC is up and running, it will serve as the temporary shelter and, and then, service center. Then after that, what happens? Who knows? The, the problem is. So could it be the permanent solution? Could no. the Ashley, why not? Well, yeah. Sure it could. Sure it could. That's not how the city looks at it, though, because VAC is already kind of a reality. So what comes next? VAC is, uh, or I should say, the Opportunity Campus that VAC is building, it's primarily oriented. This is where this will really, this is what people, and I hate to even talk about this, but, but it's primarily oriented to men, okay? Homeless men. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's built with an opportunity, a specific opportunity to be expanded. So there is no place that the Salvation Army is only a few blocks away. But you have to be sober to go into there. No. Oh, yeah. To the, yeah, Salvation, uh, correct. To the Harbor House. Correct. You, you can't stay there if you're correct. on drugs or, or, or drunk. Correct. So there's no place for women and families right now. There are, there are, but there's no, there's no place that resembles uh, a uh, services center like what will be the VAC. So, uh, you know, uh, who knows? The, the city, I don't think they'll run out of uses for that place. It, you know, they'll have a million and a half dollars into it. It'll have a nice kitchen, nice facilities and rewiring it. Uh, I don't doubt that they come up with some type of use for it, whether it's servi- servicing some type of homeless folks or not. But uh, it'll be right there, so I don't doubt it, I, and I don't think they're worried about it. I think it's a if you if you were to say, well, this is exactly the decision, a million and a half dollars to get us a couple year solution. Uh, I don't think they batted an eye. Yeah, yeah. We are visiting with Mike Murphy, the publisher of Como Buzz, C O M O B U Z dot com. Check out a subscription. It's only nine ninety nine a month, or ninety nine dollars and ninety five cents, ninety nine cents for a whole year. Uh, it's your way of supporting local journalism. So uh, please uh, consider supporting ComoBuzz dot com as a subscriber, uh, uh, at least. And so, um, I want to talk just a little bit about. Can can you give us a quick update on sort of? Um, uh, the water and we, we've only got a couple minutes left here, okay. but, but give us a, a quick update on what's happening with our water and electric utilities. There, there's a lot of dysfunction in that area. Yeah. Rates went up in July. People are, will see their bill at the end of July and they're going to wig out a little bit. That's when it's going to come home. Uh, electric rates are up. Uh, water rates will go up again later. We have bonds to sell now. Uh, that will get sold later, either probably in December, they're talking about to finish, uh, uh, renovating the, uh, water plant at McBain and also the distribution center to get a water tower out at Thornbrook. There'll be a $2 increase to the base rate when that happens. Uh, until at least a year, that should be it for rates. There is another rate increase pending because they're going to sell a second half of bonds that go back to 2015 to, uh, for, uh, electric grid infrastructure. Well, what so, happened to the money that we have been collecting since 2018? It's 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 it's. Uh, is it bankrolled for yeah, these projects, or is yeah. it or has it been spent somewhere else? No, it's largely bankrolled for these projects. Okay, they have that's uh, well, they've spent the thirty million dollars 
on infrastructure improvements. They have $30 million left of approved bonding. The problem is, the, the, the crime here is, what that $30 million would have got you had they done it in 2016, like was the plan, uh, it's going to get you a fraction of that now in 2024, yeah. 25, when they finally get around to doing it. So water and light's not on a good path. They need it. They need to change of direction. I don't know how that's going to come. I think there's going to be a steady stream of asks for rates. I think there'll be an ask for a bond. And I think there's a good chance the citizens of Columbia have been great about, you know, they pass those with 80% of the vote. I think, I, I, I actually think they're going to have a hard time passing the next one, yeah. which, which is coming up. People in Thornbrook are mad. I mean, you got, oh, yeah, they should be. You, you got, don't have water coming out of your tap. That's, or when your house is on fire yeah. and, uh, you know, you don't have uh, adequate water pressure. You're worried about it. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Murphy, we appreciate you uh, joining us uh, this week, second week in a row. And uh, if people want more information, they can visit ComoBuzz, C O M O B U Z, one Z dot com. And uh, find out more about uh, how to uh, really learn more about what's happening behind the scenes in, in our local governments and in our community. And, and there's a lot happening that we ought to be paying much closer attention to. So thank you, Mike, for the role that you play in uh, making Columbia a better place to live. Folks, we'll be back uh, next weekend. And i uh, got another show planned for you. We appreciate you tuning in this weekend. You have been listening to the CEO Roundtable. With Mike Murphy, I'm Fred Perry. This is 93.9 The Eagle. It's my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it.